Hi, you're listening to episode 53 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Sunday, December 20th, 2020. Man, only yeah. six days between podcasts. I know, today. but it was necessary because we're going to oh, dive boy. right in. We're not going to do news or anything. We're going to dive right in, but I'm just going to say, I know there are people who don't care about spoilers, but I'm begging you, if you have not watched this episode of The Mandalorian, do it before you listen to this because, like, just the sheer, like, a lot happens and it's really nice to, it's it's very, I found it very pure to experience it without it ha- having been spoiled. And so, um, yes, please do that. And with that, on that note, we are going to dive right into the season finale of The Mandalorian. Yes, and as usual, we're going to start with a group of Star Wars fans have created a fundraiser for the Trans Law Center, and if you are able, we recommend that you donate. We will link in the show notes. Please Mm -hmm. do if you're able to. And even if you can't donate, go ahead and just share the link. I think just getting the word out there. Like, do the thing. Um, So. (laughs) Okay, so Chapter 16, directed by Peyton Reed, written by John Favreau. Okay, so... um, this episode was hard for me to watch for a lot of it. I was so tense. Um, because yeah, yeah. I just didn't know what was going to happen. And, like, you and I talked last week about how we didn't think Grogu was going to go dark. We didn't think anything was really going to happen to him. And I I wasn't really worried about him. I was kind of worried about the team. And they were just getting themselves into a terrible situation. It, it's funny. I was. I wonder if, like, I wasn't as stressed out as I I feel like the most stressed I've been is the the Robert Rodriguez episode yes, yeah. um with the shootout because that's the moment where it's like you you see the bad thing coming the whole time right yeah this episode I wasn't as stressed out as I was just like I I was on I guess it was more like I was I was uh anticipating like yeah. it was a lot of like anticipation throughout the entire viewing but I do want to talk about that very, very first scene when they come into the shuttle, the Imperial shuttle, to take uh, Dr. Pershing, Pershing, right? Yeah. Um, to kidnap him in order to get, you know, intel on the cruiser. And that, th- I feel like this has been sort of a running theme throughout the season of this, the other side of mm-hmm. the Imperial point of view that is like, mm-hmm. I don't think they're doing anything in the sense of like both sides to every story. Like, I don't think that they're doing that. I think the point is to show the absurdity of that line of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Right? They, that line that uh, the pilot says where he he first like is very like shitty to, to Cara Dune when he's like, I watched your planet explode. Yep. And then the next line out of his mouth is like, millions died on the Death Star. And it's like, you you committed mass genocide. Like, yeah. And this is actually something I like. I actually really, I don't think it's a both sides thing, I think. But I do really like this. And I feel like mm-hmm. the first time I saw, because you always wonder, like, what are the people working for the Empire, like, thinking? Like, what, right. like, like, just like the people, not the, like, the officers or the people who are privy to, like, and I, you always wonder, or I did, and Claudia Gray's Lost Stars novelization, that's where I read, kind of first read from an imperial point of view, like an officer who, like, um, it's about these two kind of like star-crossed lovers. One goes, re- one becomes an em- imperial officer, one's a rebel. It's a great book. It's still one of my favorite Star, um, star Wars books, but... And it's the same thing. They frame the destruct the empire framed like propaganda 
the destruction of Alderaan as terrorism, like to right. fight terrorism. Yeah. Like, and so that's what we're seeing it on screen here. But I really like this is the price to fight terrorism because they killed all these like innocent imperial lives when they destroyed the even though the destruction of Alderaan happened before the destruction of the first Death Star. But, I mean, people don't know that. So, um... Right, those are the knots. I feel like that's what I really appreciated. It is because both this in this episode and in the, the Bill Burr episode, you kind of see the absurdities lined up against yeah. each other, right? Like, yeah. Bill Burr has These that These two things are not equivalent. Right. But not the, the Empire same. is tw- trying to basically create propaganda to say they are, and people, some people do buy into it, is mm-hmm. the idea. Like, I, I loved that conversation as sort of a preface to this one, the conversation that they have with um, Valen, whatever the, the Imperial officer is, that, that Bill Burr's character shoots in that episode, mm-hmm. where you're seeing, like, the horror of what they're doing, yeah. and then you pair it with this. I just felt like it was a really strong connection and a strong kind of motif that came across. Um, I know that we're hedging a little bit because we know the thing that we want to talk about. We know, like, we both... I want to talk about other stuff before we get to it. I know every exactly. every single person who listened to this podcast was probably like, oh, they're going to... Ha- this is going to be an episode for the two of them because you know how... <laughs> you all know how we feel. But I do want to talk about the other stuff first. Yeah. Um, because once we get there, we're just going to giggle a lot. So... Um, <laughs> Can we talk about Bo-Katan and the Darksaber? Because that's a big thing. That's been a, like, the last time we saw the Darksaber before this series, Sabine basically had won it, or she'd gotten it back from the Sisters and Rebels, and then basically she hands it over to Bo-Katan and says, you know, you're the new ruler, go unite Mandalore, like, I have, I'm still hanging out with the rebels. You've got other stuff to do. So we've seen some one person hand the Darksaber over to another, not yep. in combat. But yes. clearly at some point, Bo-Katan lost the Darksaber and lost Mandalore. And so now my question is, is it because she was not seen as legitimate because she did not win the Darksaber in combat? That's because the whole winning the Darksaber in combat is, I think, a part of Rebels, if I remember correctly. Like, that is part of the narrative of the Darksaber even back then. So, is that why she's so particular about having to win it in combat? I think so. I think I think that's what the implication is, that this is now her second shot, mm-hmm. and the first one didn't hold, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think the, the whole... I think we're going to get a lot more about the Mandalore stuff. Like I really loved the scene where uh, Din and Bobo went to sort of partner up with Bo-Katan and, um, oh my God, I'm losing the names. What's her name? Yeah. And she's like, what's her oh, name? What's her name? <laughs> is, they get into a, f- and I loved the that scene fight. where Bo-Katan was like, I've heard that voice. It's so, like, oh my it's God. so, so good. good. Because you have these like, uh, that's what's so great about this world is that it feels really lived in and you see history on the screen. Like you see the history that these characters have gone through. And so like, it's like those asides, like Boba being like, you know, they might, something right tells me they've face. seen my face, you know? Yeah. And so that, that moment with bo and then Boba being forced to, into the position of like defense, right? He's he's feeling defensive and he gets angry and that like fight in that bar was so such a small great moment, mm-hmm. you know, building up to this. So 
And can I also say, like, with the voice thing, it's not something, I would not hear someone's voice under a helmet and just, that I've never met and be like, I know exactly who you are. But it's, it's a culture that lives in a helmet. You know what I mean? So yeah. they hear things and voices that I, that you or I normally wouldn't. And I love that bit that she was just able to recognize him solely based on the voice coming through a helmet. Because based on those, like, thousands of, like, clones in the, you know, troop, stormtrooper, well, prior, you know, the yeah, previous the iteration armor. of the clone armor. Um, of course, like, it, it's, how do you forget that yeah. when your world was taken and you lived through that, the, the wars? And mm-hmm. so... I I feel like there were so many hints this season and so many like kind of building to this momentum of Bo-Katan's story. Yeah. Which is very similar to Ahsoka's story in that it's been told on the fringes and it's told in like little pieces. Granted, she's not the player that Ahsoka is in terms of Star Wars lore, but... The story of Mandalore generally has been told, yeah. you know, because it's been... The story of Mandalore in a lot of ways is a huge part of Ahsoka's story too. Yeah. And so we only get these, like, pieces of it. And when you have a show called The Mandalorian, I think... I I remember when we were talking about what this show could possibly be about, Mm -hmm. like, a few years ago. And it's like, well, we don't... There's so little that we know about Mandalore. Like, we're dying to know more about all of that and what's been going on with this, like, uh, society that was central to so many episodes of Rebels and The Clone Wars. Or, uh, yeah, the Clone yeah. Wars. And so um, we're seeing, again, like, that slow thread of information through the character of Bo-Katan. And I think it's just really fascinating. Like, Katie Sackhoff in that so last scene. Good. So good. Like, the way her... she's just, like, holding herself so rigid oh, and her face so is good. completely blank. And you have no idea what she's, what she's going to do. Like, right. I still don't know. Like, after this, you know, we... You know, they're interrupted by something we'll talk about later. But uh, uh, it's, um, she's just like, she's holding herself so stiff and so still and her face is completely blank. And she's just like, fuck, because I don't want to fight this guy. Like, I don't want to fight this guy and this guy doesn't want to fight me. But like, do I, I, you can see the stuff going through her head. Like, do I back him as the, like, can he unite Mandalore? Like, right. is, do I back him? But it's my... It's my legacy. It's my. If she sees it as her role, um, I don't know. It's. It was so good. It was so. It was, yeah, all of that was so good. And it was just like moments that we got. It wasn't. You know. Um, it wasn't the crux of the episode. No, it wasn't. It was pieces, and and to that end, like we, I think, have to talk about Giancarlo Esposito and oh my God, the entire thing. Like I, you know, classic classic uh mandalorian kind of structure in terms of like stress anticipation building 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 and then the bait and switch of course because it's mando and it's not going to be easy right so right and like when he's like you know you'll leave the ship and go i thought i mean naively i thought he was being genuine and you realize like he knows he can't take mando in a direct fight so he has to double cross him like he has to get mando to put his guard down because and he's that guy. Because, yeah, and then the second, like, he whips out the Beskar staff, you can see on Giancarlo Esposito's Moff Gideon's face, he's just like, fuck. Well, it's a great moment. He's he's such a good, evil character, he's right? So like, good. He's, 
he's it could have been so cartoony and it didn't it felt like very authentically evil when he's yeah. standing next to Grogu and he's waving the dark saber over his head like just like look what I can do and it's it's so matter of fact it's so like he's like this is this is the power dynamic right now like I hold the power in this position and like you have to recognize that yeah and then the the fight sequence between it's he brutal. and brutal so good though like watching yeah. the Beskar staff go up against that dark saber was really cool. super cool mm-hmm. and of course like mando's a better fighter like yeah. we know he's a better fighter so he would have have to win that moment um but the i felt like the evil in this episode is really good like mm-hmm. this the, the dark trooper stuff was so scary terrifying it was terrifying um, let's talk about what, um, when Moff Gideon was saying, all I wanted was his blood and like all of, like th- there's a, there, we, we've known this for a while. We've known that they're looking for his blood, looking for midichlorians. I think we've, it's been confirmed that Pershing is a cloner, like worked with the Kaminoans. Yeah, he says it, Like he, he had a, it, oh, on uh, his, like on his jacket, his like crest is like of the Kaminoans. So he's probably a clone, you know? So what is he doing? Like, are they like, we've. I think we still don't know. There's a lot of theories that, like, he's trying to clone Snoke, which right, I don't... This is like, this feels like the implications of where we end up in yeah, the Rise of Skywalker and the, those those revelations, because clearly the clone work is happening. I, I did want to ask you if there was overlap in anything we learned in the Aftermath series in terms of cuz that one that one gave us some implication of what the emperor was up to right yeah and so it's um it is basically all clon- like there's a lot of stuff about like cloning and art- sith artifacts and stuff like that like so basically it's just all of this is leading to where we end up in revenge of the or sorry <laughs> the rise, rise of skywalker, skywalker. but the <laughs> question my question is kind of is are these people working directly for the Emperor? Are they working side by side? Is the Emperor even an entity? Like, he was so weak in... I know, I feel like... Like, he had a lot of force power, but he didn't have a lot of, like, direct power. If that makes sense, like, he had a lot of power and force. But he didn't seem like he had a lot of direct power other than control over Exegol and its fleet. So, is Moff Gideon... Like, what... Like, who... Where's the... What's the hierarchy? What's the Where's power the power structure? structure? Like, what is I mean, going yeah, on? Yeah, because, like, it felt like for us, Moff Gideon was the big bad, but he yeah. is clearly, there's there's some greater power, greater service is happening Thrawn? here. Is it, um, is, is it, it, well, I don't know, right? Is it the because First Order? Is it, like, the rise of the First Order that's, like, working behind the scenes here and trying to create, like, I wouldn't be surprised. That's kind of, that's kind of my thought, right? Because of yeah. that conversation that they have in the... I'm never going to remember Bill Burr's character's yeah, name. No, I'm just not fine. going to. So his episode, the conversation where that officer is like, we will create distress and then they will come to us for help because mm-hmm. they want order, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is sort of the building of the first order through the dregs of the empire. Um, and these officers slowly shifting from one to the other. It's just in terms of who is... The ma- who is masterminding this? Like literally, exactly. like who who is in that role? My my gut instinct, and it's Star Wars, so like in like four months you're gonna be like you're wrong. But my gut instinct is that it's not Thrawn 
for some reason. Like I don't. My I feel gut like, tells me Thrawn is doing his own thing. Exactly. Like it feels like Thrawn after the Thrawn at the end of Rebels. The character at the end of Rebels, I cannot see being the, person, for the first order. Like, right? Like I just can't see it happening. Yeah. I mean, we're my, we might be completely wrong, but Thrawn yeah. has always appealed to me as kind of. I mean, he's a terrible person. Like, I don't want to make it like, oh, he's like, he could be an anti-hero. No, but no. Thrawn, like, he's smarter than the Empire. Yes. And he is much more nuanced. And I could see him working with the Rebels. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if it, if it, I would love to see him as, like, a more... Like to f- d- to decide that working against the first order is whatever is what um this is just selfish. I'm not saying they've laid the groundwork for this, but to see <laughs> that like working against the first order or the empire as it exists now is in his interest. Well, it's like uh, I mean, we saw that level of um not nuance, but we saw that level of interest, interesting factions in Rebels and uh, with Forrest Whitaker. Oh my God, uh, Sagarer. Thank you, Sagarera. Um, with Sagarera, in that you have people who can have similar goals and just have like dastri- drastically different perspectives on how to achieve those goals. Exactly. And I can see Thrawn being like, right now, in this moment in time, our goals align. And yeah. so this is how we will work together. But at any second, he's going to betray you if your goals no longer align. Like, I, exactly. I would love to see, I would love to see that. I'm not sure it's going to happen. And I don't think they've lay the groundwork for that at all necessarily it's just that's like selfish i would love to see it i think i mean thrawn i think is 100 we know that thrawn will be 100 percent the person that is set up as either ahsoka's antagonist or partner in whatever fashion that is in mm-hmm. the ahsoka show mm-hmm. and so uh, it's it's a i guess it's a question of like you know what <laughs> Well, it's a question of timeline, and I guess before we get to timeline, because I do want to talk about that, because I I had I, I had a lot of conversations after this episode with people yeah. who are not as invested as I had exactly like my so my my sister texted me and was like I need to talk and like right we, I was like what she's like I don't understand because she had watched the last episode she's like I don't understand okay so yeah let's talk <laughs> so about so let's let's talk about the thing now let's talk okay. about the big thing which is of course. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry like oh my god i just that luke skywalker shows up at the end of this episode i might start crying remember. i might start crying something and i in the last episode was like it's luke like, it's not gonna be luke it's not gonna be luke and then like i texted preeti like we found luke because <laughs> as you know they see geek girls we are famously looking for luke yes <laughs> um okay the, I, I i watched this episode i think in around probably like 9 or 10 a.m. on Friday morning, something like that. And the I thought the way they did the reveal was so, so smart. So because you're good. like, who is that? You're like, because like, okay, Jedi. so the way my, the way my, um, the way my thought process went was there's a sh- ship on the scope. It has to be someone good because yeah, like, there's so much bad. <laughs> like, and then they're like, and then the, you see the X-Wing pull and I'm like, what Jedi at this point in time has an X-Wing? There's one. And I'm like, Luke, but it can't be Luke. And then he gets out and says, okay, but it's a black cloak. And then the boots. And then but the he's wearing all black. 
and he's the got the belt, but no, no, no. And the green lightsaber, but no, no, no. And then right. he, like, walks. And then he's, like, but in the way he moves, it was like Luke. And the way, he, like, and you're just, like, and the way he's, like, pushing with the force. Like, you've yep. seen him do that. And it's just, like, no. No. And then it, like, and then he finally gets in. And then he scrolls up. And he's putting the lightsaber back on his belt. And you see the saber. And it's Luke's saber. <laughs> oh, and then the glove, too. And then you're, like, but he's wearing a glove. He's wearing yeah, one it's, glove. It's, like, these, like, little teeny, uh, yeah. like, I, I like truly iconic pieces of, of Luke Skywalker and yeah it's the it's him it's not him it's not it can't be him it can't be him it can't be him um and so he shows up and i know this was super divisive if you don't like it if you don't like this i i don't think you're a bad star wars fan i don't think you're a bad like you you are entitled to your opinion and i respect your opinion and i completely understand why you don't like it that being said, we loved it. So we loved it, and also, like as we talked about last week, I think this is, in 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 my opinion, this is like the one of the very few ways that Grogu's story in this piece of the Star Wars chapter could come to a close, yeah. right? Like this is a big deal for sensitive child. People are looking for him. He called out for a Jedi. This is you know five, six, seven years, however long after Return of the Jedi, when we know Luke is building this school and mm-hmm. looking for kids. Like it it. It makes sense. It makes narrative sense. But I think the issue is that the Mandalorian was not super clear on where and when it was happening. Like, Mm -hmm. it is in context clues. Everything happens in context clues. Nothing happens, like, truly explicitly, which is where I think the big problem came for people who are not... People had, intensive viewers like so my my sister thought it was way way after return of the Same. jedi like she thought it was like yeah. right before the force awakens like that kind of like way way maybe even like like way later and so she was like i'm so confused like how did young luke like i had a like a 30 minute conversation with my parents and then i got a text from a friend that i never talked to on the phone that just said, call me with like eight exclamation points. Because there was this, I think it was a combination of Grogu being called Baby Yoda, which mm-hmm. really, like, you know, we joked about it. We're like, hey, we know it's not Yoda. But a lot but of people didn't. didn't. A lot of people My didn't. mom thought it was Yoda, Yoda until, like, Yoda. I had to explain to her, like, no, this is not Yoda. Like, it's not Yoda. And then having Luke show up, you know, in this time, people were like, I don't, where did he even come from? Like, yeah. you don't. If you don't read the comics, if you don't read the books, if you are not involved in that, as far as you know, at the end of Return of the Jedi, they won. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't know what Luke Skywalker has been doing. We have no understanding of what's been going on in his time. And so they won, and he's hanging out with Han and Leia, rebuilding the New Republic. Why? What? What does he have to do now? You know? And so to have him show up. At the end of this Especially episode. Especially with the um, all the comments about how the Jedi are gone. Like, as yeah. far as anybody knows from the original trilogy, the Jedi are back. And it's this galactic thing that everybody knows that now Luke Skywalker is the Jedi. And no, right. but, the you know, they never make that clear on screen. So Yeah, and so I, I can understand the frustration there because... This is one, I mean, I thought I, I thought the episode was great. I thought the second season was even better than the first yeah, season, I think. There's a lot know. of people I know who feel like they missed the first season. Right, because it's, it's confusing when you're not in that world. And mm-hmm. I think this is the hard thing for a show like The Mandalorian, because when you're in this time period, you cannot really exist 
without being involved in the larger story you just you just you as a character yeah. if you're having this guy fly all around and they Looking tried to do what Jedi, they could like by putting it on the outer in the the outer reaches right and and kind of disconnecting it from the more central like stuff with the new republic or whatever but you you can't have it go on like that when like, you're I going think... to involve course i th- exactly like i think you can tell i think the reason like for example something like star wars resistance was able to be so standalone was because there was no force users right but the minute you put force users in it turns into a story about the jedi and, and you then, can't then you can't there's only one i mean there's more than one jedi we suspect at this point but luke's luke's most of what there what's left Luke's what's left. Luke's the most recognizable mm-hmm. outside of canon. Like, imagine if they had had Ezra Bridger show up. Yeah. All that does is ask, like, ask Bring more, up more questions, questions and puts people in the position of like it could have it could have been you know really cool. Like, I would have loved to would, have seen yeah. Ezra. But... Like, I did would not have been disappointed. But then imagine having to have that conversation of like, where is this guy? Like, been? And you notice Luke can walk in and not even say his name. He never said right. his name. He never said There's who he no was. There's no explanation. There's no explanation because you just recognize him with Ezra. There would have to be the explanation. Like, I'm Ezra Bridger. I am a Jedi. I was, you know, like you yeah. have to you. You don't feel weird about Mando handing Grogu over to this, over to Luke. Like, you just don't. Right. You know who you Luke is. It. You know who. If there would have to be a lot more interrogation for me as, like, if I didn't know who Ezra was as a viewer, I'd be like, why are you handing like, Grogu over to this random Jedi. guy? Like, if I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, like what if he's a dark, like, you, what if how do you dark know? side? Like, what if, yeah, yeah, you have no idea. Whereas, like, Luke makes the most sense yeah. and feels feels the most um i think gives us the most closure in the sense of we know who he is like to me like we're not this is grogu's story like i don't think for now or anytime soon we're going to be getting any more of grogu's yeah this is the first two these two chapters are done this is this part of the story is done and i think also by closing it off like this Lucasfilm and Star Wars is indicating like this is the equivalent of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point. It's all interconnected. It's all going to. So I think a lot of people who are craving those standalone stories, it's going to be harder and harder to tell them as long as they're in this time frame. Right. Which like, again, with the like, High Republic, I think they're trying to move to deliver those more standalone stories. Yes. But for now, I don't think with this and Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic and all of that. And is... Andor. Like, yeah. imagine, it's like anything that takes place in the scope of these, these like 30, three trilogies. Yeah, these 30 are, years or 40, you can't, long? Right, you cannot disconnect from that mainline story if, like we said, the caveat is if you are connecting it to the Force. Yeah. Outside of the Force, I think you could do it. Like, I think, I think. Force uh, or the larger rebellion. Or I the larger, both. like I don't, I don't know that, like, because like Andor, I think is going to be very interconnected, but it's not oh, going to be an, an force user, but because it's about the mechanics yeah, 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 of yeah. the rebellion. Yeah. But if you wanted to do a story, say that didn't have any characters we had seen before, and didn't like, connect to characters we had seen, didn't before, connect to characters we had seen before, I think you could do it. I think you could even do it in the scope of like, like, uh, resistance. Which I think is like fairly... a Rogue Squadron, like the Rogue Squadron yeah, movie like, could be you could have relatively like standalone, standalone thing, right? But... Like I think you could do it even in the scope of the Rebellion as long as you don't 
because the rebellion was huge. Like one of the things that Rebels and Rogue One kind of did a good job was uh, a good job of was um, showing us at how disparate the pieces of the rebellion were and how disconnected they were prior to Rogue One, right? Yeah, the first season of Rebels, especially, is very standalone. Yeah. It's, and it has Force users, and it's still very standalone. Like, the first mm-hmm. season, it's once, again, Ahsoka shows up. That and ties it, it in. Yeah, and ties it into the larger thing, and they become a Rebel cell instead of just this little group. Although, arguably, I feel like with Rebels, the key is because of the Force users. Like, you have to, because A New Hope sets it up so starkly. Like, A New Hope sets up this idea that there are no Jedi Mm -hmm. so intensely, that Luke Skywalker is the last great hope of the Jedi, right? Mm -hmm. That any any veering off that path, you need an explanation for. So these people are in hiding. These people didn't continue finish their training. These people left the Jedi Order. These, yeah. mm -hmm. So they have to be connected to it in some way because otherwise you're like, I don't understand then. Where you've been for. Right, why weren't you helping? Yeah. Right? Like, you have Kanan, who, over the course of Rebels, has to come to terms with his disconnect from the Jedi at large. Mm -hmm. And part of that is having to have somebody who, you know, Ahsoka, I think Ahsoka had to exist in Rebels, in the Rebels framework, because Kanan is a Force user. Yeah. It was just... So you always, everybody needs a master, is kind of the problem. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's always a master and apprentice situation. So, Kanan is the master for Ezra, the apprentice, but Kanan has also not come to terms with his shit. So, he needs a guide. Mm-hmm. And so, you cannot have it outside of the larger yeah. story, Because it's always about, it's that duality. So It's that um, duality. It's it's that connection. And so... And this is just our opinion. Like, you obviously. are... Obviously. Well, yeah, like, clearly, <laughs> like, we both... Preeti and I, part of the reason we like enjoy doing this is because we agree and we're not like fighting with each other on this stuff (laughs) like that's why this is our opinion if you disagree that's totally fine and I I like we have talked again and again about the difficulty of the Star Wars universe these days and accessibility and stuff like that and I am I hear you I'm with you like just but selfishly for what we want and what we're enjoying like this is I love, the thing is, I kind of love all these interconnections because it gives us more to talk about and it gives us more to dive into and more to theorize and stuff like that. Like, it's one thing where it's it's, it's sometimes frustrating when you're, like, talking about a larger property like this and you're like, oh, but where is X during this time period? And it's like, oh, they forgot about them or they just don't want to pay that actor to come back or, you know, whatever. But it's Disney and it's Star Wars, so that's not the case. An X person is always in play. An X person could always show up, and that's really exciting as somebody who's as involved in this lore as we are. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that we're so used to seeing this happen now in the comics, where we see all of these characters. It's obviously so much easier in the comics. There are way less, you know, hurdles to to get over. Um, but the comics have kind of over the last, like, especially since the Disney acquisition of Marvel, um, have really shown us where all of those pieces are. I think they are the, they laid the groundwork for this notion of like Disney can take a, you know, two year, four year period, or even like a, like a one mission in the star Wars lore and create an entire narrative out Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. Like the comics really like laid the groundwork for that in my opinion. And so it, it felt natural to me to have 
someone like Luke Skywalker show up in this television show. I think where I was getting frustrated is I was seeing a lot of uh, commentary about this is just fan service. And I, I don't absolutely think so. I think agree. I don't think it's fan service. I think Disney knew this would probably be controversial mm-hmm. um, given how controversial the new trilogy was. And um, I think they chose to do it because it makes sense because we, um, because it makes sense. Like it doesn't make sense to send for anyone else to come. It's just, it doesn't it, like, like story wise, narrative wise, there are, like we said, like including another Jedi just opens up way more questions then it answers and puts the creators in the position of being like, okay, well now we have to explain who this is. And we have this new mystery, which is a huge plot point. And that that's not what you want no. at the end of a season. And also I think with, um, with Grogu, with how powerful he is, you need somebody who understands the dark side and yes. has seen what it can do and see, yes. like sees, understands the danger before, you know, diving in, to train him and Luke does in a way that most Jedi of this era era like I feel like Ahsoka and Luke are the only people who could, who could really have done it. who could have done it and Ahsoka is not in a personal place to be able to do it she has not no. come to terms with her journey not saying that Luke's journey is over but that chapter of his life that chapter of like struggling with the dark side, struggling to come to terms with who he is and the repercussions of his, everything he's done. That cha- that early chapter, of course, that'll come again later in his life. But that chapter is closed for now, and he's ready to move yeah. on. Ahsoka is still struggling with her master falling to the dark side, with the implication, like what she's still struggling with all that. And um, I'm hoping we see her come to terms with that a little bit during her show, and maybe even getting to meet Luke Skywalker, oh, which is clearly an option that's on the table now. So, Let's talk about the, um, I did not hate this facial de-aging process the way I, I didn't love, I didn't hate, but I didn't love it on Leia in Rogue One. This felt a lot more natural to me. And maybe it's because it was Mark Hamill playing him. (laughs) So I think that helped. I think that. Obviously not the stunts, but like standing there, I believe it was Mark Hamill. I think it was his. Because Mark Hamill said that he had. Been involved. Been involved. He was credited, like. And it, I mean, it, it, it looks like him. I think, I, I think the technology has come a long way since Rogue One. I mm-hmm. think also it's interesting because the Peter Cushing stuff in Rogue One worked a lot better in terms of when they had him against the reflection yeah. or, or, you know, those like pieces where you can kind of, you don't have to look at the face straight on, which is where the uncanny valley comes on. Yeah. I did, I watched the episode twice and the first time I was like totally fine with it. I didn't hate it. The second time, still, I think the technology is amazing, and I think they did what they could. It's like a little video game. You can't, you can't tell. You can tell like his like eyes aren't really moving much. Yeah, and, like there's a little bit. Like I'm sorry, I'm motioning to Preeti, but there's a little bit in like the cheekbones and the eyes. That it's just very expressionless. Yes. That works for the Luke that we met at the beginning of uh, Return of the Jedi because yeah. it's very similar in that kind of emotionless statuesque Jedi-ness of it. So but it I don't think they could carry, like, long scenes. Like, no. you know, with, like, I think Luke is going... Luke might dip in and out of the universe, and I would bet Mark Hamill would do more voice work, but I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back, it's going to be more over-the-shoulder stuff. Which is, like, fine That's with fine me. That's fine with me. Uh, um, I think that does open up the potential, though, of, like, being able... I mean, the, the world that Filoni has kind of guided 
to an extent through Rebels and Clone Wars and now Mando, obviously with Jon Favreau at the helm, um, is one that cannot be necessarily disconnected from the trilogies. Yeah. So Luke... We're literally telling the story of how one trilogy led to another. Like, you can't exactly. disconnect it from the movies. You, you ha- Luke Skywalker is going to have to play a part in this because if he doesn't, then what was he doing, right? Like, what was... How do you disconnect him so fully and still have him be so important in, uh, a, granted, a, a very reluctant importance? Yeah. Because we we just need to get him to the point of the burning, right? We have to get him to the point of his failure or what he sees as his failure. And we're still building to that. Um, Also, I just want to say, I texted this to you, but this almost meant, seeing Luke this way almost meant more to me than seeing him in the new trilogy. I think honestly did mean more to me because this is the Luke I always wanted to see Mm -hmm. in his prime as a Jedi. Like, because we... We don't, we get a bit of that at the beginning of, like, the Jabba's Palace scene in Return of the Jedi, but we don't get to just see him, like, being, like, just fully trained, aware of all of his powers, Jedi, and we finally, in his prime, and we finally got that. Like, we got that. Like, the paralleling of, I know some people had an issue with this, I did not. Uh, the paralleling of the scene of, of Vader at the end of Rogue One slash the beginning of A New Hope mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, Luke coming onto this. Yeah, they're droids. Uh, I don't have cruiser. a problem with this. Like, I don't care. Yeah, they're droids. And the goal matters, right? Yeah. The, the reasoning matters in terms of, like, seeing the way they... I mean, I did love the, like, love that Skywalker penchant for drama. <laughs> like, well, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, But, like, I really enjoyed that parallel of seeing, like, Luke, like you said, like, at his, like, most powerful as this, like, uh, just Jedi master at this Jedi point. master, yeah. right? And, and what, like, that fight scene was awesome. Was so like, when cool. he yeah. crunches that droid, I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. And we've seen Luke use, like, it's 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 also accurate for the character we've seen use Luke, the, we've seen Luke use the Force in, in aggressive ways. Like, yeah. that traditionally is a dark side power, but it is, we've seen Luke do it, so we know whether, like, whatever, you know, it, but it's true to the character. Yeah, and and I did feel like they were thoughtful about having his fighting style evolve just a bit. Like he's more refined, he's more you know capable. he more capable. Like I just the whole thing felt really authentic and uh, authentic to the character and narratively necessary. Yeah, I agree for for me. And um, yeah, I know I was like. I watched it and I was like, one, I can't wait for Sapna to watch this. Oh my. So she texted me, Preeti texted me, uh, so stay off Twitter today. Um, there are Mandalorian spoilers. And that's all she said. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing that anyway. Like, I do that because we don't watch till Friday evening. So I was like, I do that anyway. She's like, but really? <laughs> like, no, seriously, though. And then, and then, like, that evening, I was like, I texted her, like, in capital letters. I think, like, oh, my God. And she's like, I've been waiting! <laughs> and then R2. R2, I screamed i, I was so it. like i was like ugly crying like i like the second like i realized who it like for real like it like because like i was just like yeah it might, could be no no they wouldn't do it. no no and then, and then the second and then i just like burst into tears and then when r2 i burst into tears again like 
Uh, I don't think, I, don't... I genuinely don't. There are some things I am not, I am not, like, I am not shy about, about admitting when something is fan service. Like, a lot of, a lot of Force Awakens, it worked, but a lot of it was fan service. Yes. I think that's what it needed to be, but I think a lot of it was. I don't think this was. No, this felt, this felt like the best story decision for, like, for them to, like, tell Grogu's story. Yeah. And I think they could have, like, it could have been... Like, it didn't have to be, like, Luke himself. It could be some could have been someone on behalf of Luke if they didn't want sure. to. Like, I'm here on behalf of Luke Skywalker, a Jedi Master. But I think this was more effective. This was more effective like, because that is, like, why, then why do they know who he is? Yeah. And, like, why like, should they like trust this person? That's the problem with Star Wars. Every new character you introduce that has connections to a character we already know introduces more questions. Right. Whereas this just handled it. Yeah. Um, I do think we need to talk about Din's journey. Yeah. <laughs> we have not really done. I know. Because, sorry, sorry. This is sorry. why we didn't want to bring it up, because, like, we knew once Luke came out, it was going to be like, <laughs> Luke Skywalker show. Um, Din, so I, Pedro Pascal has been so consistently good mm-hmm. the entire series, but... Mm-hmm. That last scene of him saying goodbye to Grogu, I was, like, losing it. Yeah. And he takes just, off the helmet, like... Oh. And when his little baby pants touch his cheek... I know. <laughs> I couldn't take it. I know. Like, it was it was really, just really, really well done. It was really well done, and it opens up... This is where... This is where I'm, like, good, because the show is called The Mandalorian, right? This is where it opens up questions about... Mando. Yeah. You know, when we met Mando at the beginning of season one, he was a bounty hunter. He's trying to, like, Just build doesn't up really his... Just care, like, community. about... Like, all he cared about was, like, bringing stuff back to his community and building that... his What he understood the Mandalorians to be back up, right? Now you have this character who has kind of been... Who has learned so much more about the 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 world that he came not necessarily he specifically but that his community came from and that his culture came from and it puts the character in an interesting position like he has the dark saber for all intents and purposes right and has this position now where we don't know what is going to happen but i think it puts it puts the story in a good place to turn the attention to mandalore so now the question is, let's talk about the post credit scene, which was great. Yes. So, okay, so the question is now, what we know about, they've been very cagey about the third season of the show, Disney has. Um, and we know that, I think, um, like, Kathleen Kennedy said something like the next chapter of the show or something should, or the next, you know, it should be season three in December 2021. And now in the post credit scene, we get this tease of the Book of Boba Fett coming December 2021. So Uh now the question is, is the Book of Boba Fett Mandalorian season three? Or is it its own show? Like, what is going to happen? Are we saying goodbye to Din for now? Or is Din going to become a secondary player to Bo-Katan? Like, what is, like, what is this? Is the Mandalorian going to continue to be the story of Din? Or is it... I, I hope so. Only because... These two chapters were very much Din and Grogu, right? The the title of the show, though, is The Mandalorian. And I want to know more about this character because Mm -hmm. I think it just raises a lot of really interesting questions about how Mandalore is structured. That said, like, 
I would be a little saddened if Din became a side player on his own show. Yeah. So like I'm all I I loved that post credit sequence. I love I freaking Ming Na Wen like just oh Fennec in everything. I love the fact that she's gonna seriously clearly become a regular on one of yeah, the Star Wars and like shows. the right hand of Boba Fett. And I like I awesome. who would have thought I would have said I really like the idea of that Boba Fett. That scene was really cool. I love. I will watch a Boba awesome. Fett show. Who knew? Who knew? But I will. Who knew? I knew. Like <laughs> we can change. See, see, we can change. But um, all of that being said, I don't. I don't understand. The book of Boba Fett doesn't just have to be him being a crime lord on Tatooine either. No. The Mandalorian season three could still be about the story just centered on Boba Fett and Tatooine. But like you said, I would really like to continue seeing Din's story. I don't think it's over yet. No, I think there's so much more story for us to know. So I would rather, I would honestly let like rather the book of Boba Fett be like a spinoff mini series mm-hmm. and let Mando exist as his own. And we get to see him interacting with uh, Boba Fett, with Bo-Katan, with Ahsoka Tano even, but like having his story, like I, I feel like his the nest, the natural progression from this to season three of the Mandalorian could be very much about like, okay, I did that, but now I now have to the, focus now on my stuff. Now it's the Mandalorian as a culture. Like now we're going to go yeah. we take our planet type. It's a, it's a I, natural, it's a natural pivot. Just the question is, is that what, I think that's where the overall story of all these shows agreed. is going. I think we're going to continue to see Bo-Katan's story. It's just who are going to be the central players. And as far as I know, in this timeline, there's going to be three, maybe four, depending on if Boba Fett is a different show. Um, and I think, like, each of them are going to have their own. Like, the Ahsoka shows, clearly her baddie's going to be Thrawn. For Rangers of the New Republic, it's probably going to be the Rise of the First Order. Um, and then Man- it would make sense that the Mandalorian, it would be Moff Gideon, or he's defeated now, but I don't think he's out. Um, I think he's going to continue to be a major player and the, like, you know, the, the quest for Mandalore. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense that the Mandalorian would continue to be about that, but are we going to shift? Right. I just don't, turn? I don't know that I want the Mandalorian to shift to all of a sudden, like you said, it's this like crime syndicate boss Boba Fett on Tatooine, which and, again, like as an exciting story proposition, but not in a show called the Mandalorian. And Boba Fett is the first to say he's not a Mandalorian. He wears right. Mandalorian armor because his father was a foundling, but she says, whoever, I can't remember her name, is like, you aren't a Mandalorian. Or maybe it was Katie Sackhoff who said it, but you're not a Mandalorian. He says, I never said I was. Boba Fett. Yeah. In this, so like, don't. Yeah, he doesn't claim I don't to know. be one. So, um, but I don't know. I also don't want to be like a cultural purist because like, who knows? Maybe. Right. Maybe by interacting with and dealing with all these Mandalorians, he comes to identify with the culture. I don't know. Who knows? I don't want to be like that. I just, I would really like to continue seeing Din's story. Exactly. And seeing it from what we have learned is the Mandalorian. Like, they call him Mando. Yeah. Just from a narrative standpoint, the Mandalorian, the television show, is about Din Djarin. Yeah. It's about Din Djarin who again, goes by Mando throughout the show. So, yeah. like, to, sh- to shift to Boba Fett, I think, would be <laughs> jarring. It would be jarring, but like I said, <laughs> I have been so skeptical of this show from the beginning. 
And every time I'm like, I wouldn't like it if they did this. And then, like, and last then week I was like, I don't know if I'd like it if Luke Skywalker show up. And then he showed up and I, like, screamed and cried and was so happy. So, like, <laughs> just Disney is doing really well in... I tr- uh, like, I feel like it's, like, dumb to say I trust Disney because it's this... Disney just wants to make money. But I do actually trust Dave Filoni to, to tell the story well. Yeah, I trust the Lucasfilm Story Group as as understanding how these pieces can fit together and understanding uh, where, where are, where, if, if they're, if they're going to shift perspective from Din, if there's going to be a good reason, for example, I've heard rumors that Pedro Pascal, like, not that there's like conflict isn't, he's like hard to work with, but just like with the schedule and stuff like that, I could see he's a busy actor. Like he was, yes. he's a big deal. Like I could see, um, them, being like, all right, you go do your own thing, well, um, and he, they could just bring him back for less work, you know, because it's just the voice work, he doesn't have to do the, um, yeah, he, he, they have their, um, stunt their stand-ins the, and the um, stunt people in there, um, <sighs> I don't, it t- just, like, the, the, the questions that this opened up are more about Mando than they are about Grogu, and that's what I appreciated yeah. about the end of this episode. Yeah, I agree. Grogu's story is not done. I think we'll see him again, absolutely. If nothing else, he's a valuable merchandising opportunity. So we'll see him again. <laughs> I, it's... I think I told you, I, I don't know if I told you, but I think I texted you my headcanon, which is that when, you know, Din says at the end of the episode, like, I'll see you again, I think I'm like, Din's going to save him from the Kylo Ren massacre. <laughs> I know. Like, it's like that, that is an open question now. It is. Did he survive? Like, at, at some point, we're probably going to, I'm sure we'll learn about what happened. But, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of open questions. Um, is the, I haven't been reading the, uh, or I don't know if it's even still ongoing, but the, the Kylo Ren comic. I think it was a limited four issue series. The limited four issues. I, I didn't read it. Charles Sewell, um, right? Yeah, I don't. I didn't read it either. I just. I'm so. so I just. I gave up on a lot of the comics because there's so, so much. much. But that said, I think I'm wondering if like this story will be continued. Off and I'm screen. wondering if other students survived. Like maybe mm-hmm. more people survived than Luke knew because. Because that's what happened with the Jedi, right? Yeah. Like Jedi, it was Grogu Luke was smuggled out. So maybe, one. maybe Grogu helped save some other of the students. We don't know. So, um, because he would be a little bit older by then, but we don't know how his species ages. So, yeah, weird. considering he's fifty and he's a baby, and he's a little baby. Little baby. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, it's just there's. This is such a, I really thought that, as usual, I was like, this episode's going to be like 20 minutes, because how much can we talk about, like, a 35-minute yeah. television and show? here we are. Turns out, a lot. Um, um, okay, so, should, are we, I think that's pretty much it? I feel like we covered it, I feel like we covered it pretty good. Um, okay, so, what we're into, I feel like it, we recorded six days ago, so we're still into the same things. I'm still playing KOTOR 2, or I just started, I finished the first Knights of the Old Republic, Started the second one, and the second one is so much less buggy on mobile, which is really nice. Um, the first one, it's fine, it's very playable, but there's just a lot of, especially if you're using like a gamepad, like I use my PS4 controller, and there's just a lot of bugs. So the second one's, um, it's great, and it's it's so much fun, and it's so well done. Um, and then I'm watching The Flight Attendant, which everyone's talking about, and so I was like, why not? And it's pretty good, it's pretty enjoyable. Is it and, stressful? Yeah. It okay. is. She makes really <laughs> dumb, bad decisions. Like, 
And the only reason, like, it doesn't stress me out is because, like, I don't know. It doesn't stress me out because I'm, like, I'm hooked into the plot and, like, I don't especially like the main character, so I don't really care if she gets herself, you know what I mean? Like, it's a little yeah. bit one of those things, and so it's, like, um, she's she's a big, pretty big mess. Um, but I actually like the actress, though. I like Kaylee Cuoco. I think she's talented um and so yeah no i i'm enjoying it and it's just it's very it's the type of like mindless a little bit froth i need but it's got a really good mystery and so like it's a nice combination for where my brain is at right now all right i know because i do see everybody talking about it and then i'm like do i have the heart for this right now i don't know that you can put it on it like one thing i like about it is you can either like just like zone out and pay attention to it or you can put it on in the background all right. I'm, I'm liking it, yeah. It's, it's, well, it's... <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm, I'm, I'm speeding through my Vampire Diaries rewatch because I have consistently stayed up till like four in the morning. And I've, I've actually gotten to the point now that I'm past where I stopped watching the show. Like, I stopped watching the show at the end of season five because something happened that made me really mad. And so I've, like, graduated to now where I'm reading episode recaps and then just watching the scenes I care about. Nice. But it's, it's like, I'm going to need something soon where I can ingest something that matters versus this trash that I've been going through that I'm just watching because everybody's really attractive and I like the, the fast pacing of it. I was going to say, Flight Attendant is not necessarily, it's nice because everybody's talking about it. You know right. what I mean? But it's not, it's pretty, I don't know, the production value is high. It's good. And it, like Chris well, it's Bajalian, HBO, right? What? It's HBO. Yeah, it's HBO. And pretty, yeah. Chris Bajalian wrote the book, who I love, I really like him. Like, I, I started watching just because I really like him. I think he's a really talented writer. And so that's the reason I started watching. I just, I am like, maybe I should engage with something that's part of the culture right now instead of this, like, seven-year-old CW television show. Um, <laughs> and then maybe I'll sleep again someday. We're obviously still doing the Supernatural rewatch with my parents, which is still being amazing because it's still like, where is the hot angel every episode? Uh, and then I am just trying to make these fucking goddamn snowboys in Animal Crossing. <laughs> it is the worst. It is so hard. This is a game for children, supposedly. And it is the most difficult thing that I have had to do in a video game in a long time. That's so funny. It's like they have, you get two snowballs a day. You get one shot at making, I mean, you you can like, what I've been doing is Xing out of the game when I fail and starting over. Uh, And I fail a lot because they have to be perfectly proportioned or else you don't get the recipe, and they'll be like, oh, I guess this was fine. I'm okay. And then you're like, well, how could I make you better? Because if they're not perfectly proportioned, this they get mad about it. It's complicated. It's super complicated. It's so hard. And I'm like, you were supposed to be, like, Animal Crossing, you were the saving grace. Yeah, you were the easy you were thing. Making- like you were making my life better because all I had to do was get dressed in the morning and maybe plant some flowers and buy some nice things. It's like why, like, like going back to like Bunny Day when we were all stressed out about Bunny yeah. Day. Is it is this a similar? 
This is so Bunny Day. I feel like the difference is the horror of Bunny Day was that you just didn't want to participate in it. And you didn't have a choice. And you didn't have a choice. This is you have a choice, but it's so hard that it's just a reminder of your own failure every single day. Mm. <laughs> but I want all the DIYs. Yeah. And there's like, I'm not going to go on Nookazon and spend money. What is Nookazon? Nookazon is Amazon. For Animal Crossing. Wait, is it a real in the real world? It's or is a it real, in... real website that you can go on and, and buy, buy things, things from other players. Capitalism, I left, such, I left in such an innocent time. You did. You walked away. Yeah, I walked, walked away. 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 So, yep. Um, okay, so we are part of the Hard, Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com and find a ton of great podcasts across a huge variety of topics, all hosted and created by people of color, and they're all amazing, so check oh, them out. Very, very good. Yeah. Um, and thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you to Meredith, Ronnie, and Maya at the $12 level, and Amber, Sam, Patrick, Jordan, Ani, Brandy, Shelly, Claire, Brian, Robert, Sylvia, Chris, The Not Family, Priya, and Creative Gray at the $5 level. Oh my goodness. We appreciate you all very, very much. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Twitter at Desi Geek Girls, and I am at Run With Scissors. And I am at S. Krishna. And guess what? Until next time. We'll see, see you, you in, in 